Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Lauren Wampa, who is the former head of social impact at Headspace, now working at Dave. And Lauren has drawn an impact-driven organizations. Her work primarily focuses on developing and implementing effective strategies to eradicate poverty, increase access to education, and alleviate wealth and income inequality. From outreach and advocacy to philanthropy and community engagement, she brings together critical stakeholders to increase access to key resources, leading to the empowerment and self-actualization of marginalized communities. In my interview with Lauren, we discussed a lot of different things, including what social impact meant at Headspace, kind of differences between social impact and CSR, a few companies that are doing really well in this social impact space, what to know if you want to break into this space as a founder, what to know if you're hiring for someone in this role. There is no set person, but we have some insights from Lauren on that as well, and so many other things. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. You can support the show. Leave a rating and review over an Apple podcast. I'd really appreciate that. And the weekly grind, my weekly newsletter with tips, tools, and strategies for growing a business, improving your life, all those goodies can be found at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Without further ado, here is Lauren. Lauren, welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Happy to have you on. Excited to talk about a lot of different things, social impact, uh, CSR as well, and former head of social impact at Headspace, now at Dave, lots to talk about, lots of experience, obviously. How did you join Headspace in the first place? I'm curious about that. Oh, that's actually a really funny story. I'll try to keep it brief because it's very long. Um, I was actually a student here at USC. Yeah. Um, I was getting a Master of Science in Social Entrepreneurship and had no intentions of working full-time while I was in school. Yeah. I'd actually done that before in a previous uh, master's program, <laughs> and I was like, nope, I'm just going to be full-time school. <laughs> And we had a class um, the spring semester of my first year uh, that was all about kind of new venture management. And um, I'll spare you some of the, the gory details, but, but basically um, this was a really diverse class, half MSSE students, Master of Social Science and Social Entrepreneurship, half MBA students. Um, it was, I wanna say majority women, a lot of people of color, a lot of international students. It was a really diverse yeah. and reflective class of uh, folks who are really trying to understand like how to build better businesses. And the professor um, was really kind of teaching us this, uh, you know, you know, how to build a, a business venture, basically new venture management from a very kind of singular, um, if I'm being frank, like white straight male perspective and kind of, you know, setting that up as like the go-to kind of strategy for how to build a business, which were um, including sort things that were just sometimes really unattainable or practices that, you know, tend to be very discriminatory towards women or people of color or folks who kind of don't occupy the, the same kind of class or status that he occupied and so very early on myself and other classmates were just very uncomfortable with that we were like you know we've started businesses before or we've uh, we, we've seen what the markets are doing we see what's in the news this is like you know spring of 2017 so yeah. everything's in shambles oh, yeah. politically <laughs> um, and uh, we get to a place where you know we're like 
you know, we expect you, professor, to be able to engage us in discourse around how to um, dismantle some of these discriminatory practices. So anyway, over time, it just became one of those things where I was just a rabble rouser in class, and I would just constantly be engaging this professor, um, <laughs> probably to his, uh, much to his dismay, just with challenges and, and, and empowering other students to do the same. Um, so one particular class we happened to um, have, you know, in the, uh, we would have guest people come, uh, guest entrepreneurs come to the class and they would listen in on kind of our critiques of the previous week's entrepreneurs and we'll be ripping them apart and <laughs> just having these really real conversations and these entrepreneurs would be kind of sitting there like, oh gosh, like what are they going to say about me next week? Um, and so one day we were, I think we were talking about um, just like inherently discriminatory kind of practices in this kind of st early start uh, early stage startup space of you know the kind of reliance on friends and family rounds when people who don't have access to generational wealth like you can't raise money from your friends right. and family i could raise like 30 dollars from like my <laughs> entire family like not no exaggeration yeah um even today um and you know just things like that and it was a really heated debate, and uh, Rich Pearson, who's the CEO and one of the co-founders of Headspace, happened to be there that day, and he was the the guest entrepreneur. And so, and I have I was like, I mean, I had a shirt on that day that said like, "Life is not a white privilege." Like I was just sitting in front row in the class, and I was just basically trolling the professor at this point. Bless his heart, he <laughs> probably does not like me. But um, and Rich was sitting there, just kind of like you know taking it all in. And I had never heard of Headspace before, and I we you know had a little write up of the company yeah um but uh you know rich gets up there and um he basically kind of uses the first kind of 15 minutes of his kind of talk for the day to really just acknowledge the things that we were bringing up in the class he acknowledged his own privilege as like a straight white british man who had access to a bit of family you know wealth who could you know to invest in his mvp which was you know the, the first version of headspace um he acknowledged how you know these are really important questions to be asking he wants these sorts of minds and thinkers at his company. And yeah. I was like, okay, don't say it if you don't mean it now. Um, and so really just checked his own privilege and really used and leveraged the, the teaching moment for what it should have been. It never really was in that class. Um, and I was really impressed. And I was like, you know, he didn't have to do that. He could have just kind of yeah. let it go or not engaged in the conversation, but he did. And you know, it's easy to do that if you think you're never going to see any of these people again. <laughs> and so <laughs> after class, uh, a colleague and I went up to him and we're like, you know, thank you for just acknowledging kind of what we were saying and checking your own privilege. And he was like, oh, yes, come to Headspace, like come for lunch. And we went and, you know, he was like, if you have a magic wand, like what would you what would you do? And we were like, we would dismantle white supremacy and do away with poverty <laughs> and, you know, dismantle the patriarchy. He's like, actually, I was just kind of wondering what you want to do kind of career wise. And we we're like, well, all those things have a real material effect on our lives yeah. as well. So first that then, you know, do good work that we can care about and um, and get paid to do the work that we want to do um, that's really impactful. And so a couple more conversations led to um, them offering me and my colleague at the time jobs at Headspace. And so that's how wow. I, I came on to Headspace. That's amazing. Thank First you. All, <laughs> a story worth telling. We need to hear that. How, how do you got to that point? Eventually, so you weren't initially 
head of social impact at Headspace. No. But eventually you became a head of social impact yep. at Headspace. What did social impact at Headspace itself, like what did that mean for the company? Like yeah. what was that for them? Yeah, I think one of the, the amazing things about Headspace and, and hopefully about any company that I will work for or be affiliated with kind of from here on out is that they were mission driven just like from day one and they had this really amazing, inherently impactful product. And so with those two things, you can really start to think about um, the ways in which you can kind of really elevate that and form a really thoughtful, robust impact strategy and really make it um, unique to the organization. And so when I think of impact, um, I think of, you know, because I, I come from the nonprofit sector, I have a lot of colleagues who are in kind of more traditional kind of corporate so social responsibility roles. And for me, you know, my philosophy on that is that, you know, social impact and CS, traditional CSR are two very different things. Um, you know, and this is no shade to anybody who's in CSR. They're doing <laughs> really great work and it's really important. Um, but when I think of impact, I think, you know, what's inherent in that is something that is strategic, something that is um, baked into the DNA of the company that helps drive not only mission objectives, but business objectives as well. And is really solving for a really specific problem that is faced by the kind of core consumers of that company. Um, and it's measurable and it's scalable um, and it's sustainable, you know, and so it's not something that's just uh, an afterthought or something that is solely philanthropic or only something that is ho is used to kind of uh, fix some like snafu or blemish on a, <laughs> on a brand. <laughs> it really is kind of baked into and the lens through which, you know, many, if not all company decisions and product decisions are made. And so when you have a company like Headspace and, and now Dave, quite frankly, um, surprise, uh, <laughs> you, you um, that kind of has that already baked into the foundation, whether it's through the exact, you know, the founding team or the, the leadership team, um, just by virtue of the type of product that they're building, it just makes it so much easier to kind of then say, all right, how do we, like, what are we not doing yet? And what problem are we not really uniquely solving for? And how do we do that? And how do we back ourselves into a strategy to actually execute against that? And so at Headspace, it looked like, um, you know, our, the mission was to improve the health and happiness of the world. Yeah. And, but quite frankly, you know, what we were seeing was that, you know, the early adopters of something like Headspace, so Headspace, you know, is the first meditation product on the market. Um, so they really were creating a whole space for themselves. And now there's like so many hundreds there's and dozens yeah. and dozens <laughs> and dozens. A of, there's a ton. Um, anybody can make a meditation app apparently these days. Yep. And um, so the market is really saturated and, you know, and consumers, you know, have really specific pain points. They're like, you know what, I need to go to sleep right now. So what can I do to help me go to sleep? Or, you know, I am feeling anxiety in this moment. What can I use or what, you know, app can I use to relieve this feeling? Um, but the amazing thing about Headspace was that it was backed on, backed with like these like real, like thousand year old teachings and grounded in science. And so you could think, you could start thinking about like, okay, we know that the early adopters of this product are folks who might have some familiarity with, with mindfulness and meditation. They might have a yoga practice. They might have done a retreat. They might, you know, likely they're living like on a coastal city. They earn a, amount, a certain amount of money. Yep. They might have a certain shade of uh, skin color, you know, and, and all these things because these are people who have some sort of recognition that mindfulness and meditation 
isn't something that's taboo and is something that could be something um, that would uh, benefit their lives. But the problem is if your mission is to improve the health and happiness of the world, if you're only relying on those kind of early adopters to sustain you know, and, and um, your business, then you're really missing out on so many other people that not only could really, really use um, this product to kind of live their best lives, but um, are also these kind of viable uh, potential consumers that might not be uh, read, readily identified as so and so basically what impact ended up looking at looking like at headspace then was how do we identify um, these core kind of cohorts of, of folks kind of across the globe um, that were highly um, impactful in their communities so like first responders and teachers and crisis counselors and those sorts of things yeah um, and and really build and contextualize and pull the kind of levers to make it accessible for those folks and, and um, build and measure and scale from there yeah, and I definitely want to dive deeper into that. Yeah. So, like with with Headspace, then a company that has all these different resources and they're doing different things, how do they kind of decide when you were there to allocate, you know, people or money or whatever towards then social impact as part of their company and how that fits in everything? Like, how do they allocate those things? I mean, that's a great question, <laughs> and I think that's like the question of the hour for any organization. Yeah, it's like, you know you can you know bake impact into your you know articles of um, uh, what are the things that are called? Like basically, like your uh, corporation, like your corporate. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. just like into your your you know the bylaws of your company. Right. You can have a mission on the wall, um, and you can thoroughly under like believe in the power of 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 having a mission driven business and business model, but not have any idea of how to like actually operationalize that <laughs> and, yep. and understand how like it's the easiest thing to think about a marketing function or an accounting function or, you know, business development even or, you know, some some roles get a little bit trickier than others. But like as soon as you start saying social impact, people are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, are we in, is that gonna inherently kind of contradict our um, business objectives or what we're trying to accomplish on that side of things? Um, how much money do you need? Is this a budget? Like, what team do you like? You know, report into. I mean, there's all the questions. And yeah. I and to be perfectly honest, you know, it really does depend on the company. It depends on where you're at in terms of your stage. Um, it depends on how big your team is. It depends on your organizational structure. Um, and at Headspace, you know, I will say I was, you know, one of the amazing things about the team and the leadership was that they knew that there was it was meaningful that they were investing in, in, in impact in this way so early on. Yeah. You know, they brought they brought me on to that role, I would say like a year and a half ago, um, when the company was like still very small and, you know, relatively speaking small. Um, and, you know, they could have waited, you know, five more years before even investing in this and, and really kind of rode the coattails of the mission that they have on the wall and the product itself being inherently impactful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, did that probably didn't yeah, answer the no, question. No, no, but <laughs> no, no, no that's, how, that's helpful. But like, it, it, how companies allocate resources is so difficult, and that's such an important thing. That could be yeah. life or death of a company, but also define the company itself, right? Yeah. Like how they actually oh, you know, spend their money, how they actually put people in different places. Yeah. So the team are your the team for social impact. Then, like, who mm -hmm. was on that? Like, how many people were on that team? Like. <laughs> I'm curious about that as well. Yeah. While you were, while you were there before. You want a job? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> Names, <laughs> social security numbers, date <laughs> of birth. So yeah, so I mean, ultimately, uh, when I left, we were a team of two. So it was a really small team. Yeah. Um, that being said, the, the organization was very lean anyway. Like we weren't yeah. like, there weren't just these massive teams of bloated, you know, like just bloated teams yeah. that, you know, were just like, 
you know, one person serving one tiny little function. So um, that was kind of the norm across the company. So it wasn't like, oh my God, I only have two people. What am I going to be able to do? Um, but for a long time, it was just one. It was yeah. just me. Um, and we, at the time, sat under our uh, global business development org, um, and which was a really interesting play. I think, um, again, organizationally, it just kind of made the most sense at that time. Um, I think what, what helped was that, um, sorry, it was our global business development and partnerships team. So partnerships were a core facet of our impact strategy. Yeah. Um, so it made sense in that way. It also lent um, a bit more almost legitimacy when I was kind of like out and about talking about what I was doing as head of social impact at this company. <laughs> um, and to be able to, to, to say that, you know, it sits under this serious team that you know people can kind of identify like, oh i know what a business development and partnerships team is so even if i don't understand impact the fact that it sits under that makes sense yeah and i also had a really oh sorry i also had a really um thoughtful and strategic uh vp that i kind of reported into who really helped socialize and help me um understand how to build a really uh, robust and comprehensive strategy to execute against, um, given the kind of um, constraints or um, just the context of Headspace, you know? And so, um, but on that global business development team also was the woman who led our sports vertical, as well as the woman who um, led um, so many of our like incredible brand partnerships. And so the three of us were just really became just like each other's work wives and we laugh and (laughs) had so much, so many inside jokes together, but it really helped to kind of have that team rear. So even if the the social impact team is a team of two and I had this amazing associate named Elena. Shout out to Lena. He is like holding down the fort there now and I'm so proud of him and he's incredible and I will send him the link to this because uh, <laughs> he'll be so embarrassed that I'm shouting him out. Um, but so even though it was a team of two, I really could rely on the insights, the brain, the strat, the strategic thinking of these other teammates that I had. So yeah. it really did work. Um, and then it, it was really cross-functional. You know, it really, I relied on um, the brand team, our media teams, our content teams, certainly our executive team to kind of help under, you know shape the strategy and also um, glean resources and, and insights from kind of like where they were um, and just really getting that buy-in, you know, to kind of make sure that we were in alignment and what we were doing was kind of really bubbling up to this larger company strategy. Yeah, and with that, you know, thinking about the larger company strategy, but also I, I, because you have the experience in it, I'm curious as to what you would say <laughs> about this. If someone was looking to get into a company oh. and something impactful in CSR or social impact, like how do you know a company isn't just saying that, mm. you know, just checking a box with social impact or just mm-hmm. saying like, oh yeah, we, we believe in this. Like how do you know, what would you do? I'm curious about your perspective. From yeah. It, you have like, some experience, obviously. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And people actually ask me that all the time because they're like, how did you get this job? Or like, how should I go about like, you know, getting a social impact job? Right. And I'm like, ooh, ooh. I'm not sure. Because <laughs> I, I'm so, me. <laughs> I'm like, literally, I'm like, I, I have literally like fallen into the, you know, like I've both times, you know, these both roles that I've had, building an impact division have been, like I told you my origin story at Headspace, and I have a similar origin story at Dave where it's like, you know, I now had this kind of track record um, and they trusted that I'd be able to kind of do similar things at Dave. And so they were like, come on over. And I was like, yeah, cool, <laughs> let's do it. Um, but what I generally tell people is, you, you're never gonna know for sure if yeah. a company is really just like, 
truly about that life or if they're just kind of like all lip service. Um, but there are a couple of things that you can kind of suss out and, and certainly have criteria for yourself, right? So again, um, like I mentioned earlier, two of the criteria that I have are, is a company mission-driven or do they have some sort of, uh, you know, attachment or um, uh, are they trying to do something for a larger audience or for, for the greater good, right? Yeah. Are they, what are they truly doing? And it doesn't really matter kind of like the audience per se. Um, for me, it, you know, I have certain criteria in that sense too, but um, it's just like, are they mission-driven? Do they have like some sort of cause that they believe in? The second thing is like, is the product or service they're offering like actually good you know like i no offense to anybody who works at like tobacco companies but i just like truly morally am against like working for a tobacco company i yeah. just like cannot or like you know i wouldn't be able to work for uh an oil company or something like you know fossil fuel like it just like goes against my values as a human being and you know to each is to each his or her own but um so i need to know and i also wouldn't want to work for like you know a company that's like just like building some sort of random widget that doesn't really um mean anything or or have anything to do with kind of like a larger kind of cause um so those are first see like does is the product service or um uh you know uh, is it is it impactful is it meaningful and then is the leadership or is the company driven by some sort of larger mission i think there are also other things uh, particularly um as a black woman in case people didn't know from i don't know <laughs> hopefully Somehow, you'll have like a picture yeah. associated yeah, be, there will be images, there'll be images. Yes. okay good good send that over see. by the way oh we'll yeah <laughs> I am a black woman um, and that informs so much of my social location just in life like that's just there's a, I will never not be able to look at the world through that lens yeah. and so for me you know one of the questions I I remember asking um, my new CEO Jason was like you know what's it like to be a black woman at your company he is not a black woman yeah. <laughs> Jason, so, is, yeah, Jason <laughs> is not a black woman um, at least as long as as far as I can tell and um, you know and certainly he couldn't have answered that by personal experience but he'd done enough work to that point to build a leadership a team with leaders in it that had people who had that same experience so he could point you know he could be like you know what i personally you know could never answer that question but let me point you in the direction of someone who, who who would know and it was this amazing woman who's uh the vp of our customer uh, uh success team and she was able to kind of give me some really awesome insights on just like her experience and what it's like being at the company as you know as a black woman yeah and had he not done that i wouldn't have been able to really understand like what it might be like for me there, you know? And and those are the sorts of decisions that you wanna see in leaders for, you know, are they making like, are they being thoughtful about like how they're building the team? Are they being thoughtful about like how are they leading? Are they ego driven? Are they not? <clears throat> you know, are they, um, you know, truly trying to build out like really interesting and um, proactive and innovative business practices that are, you know, uh, driving value for, all of their kind of stakeholders and not just their, you know, funders and their shareholders, you know, like, right. and these are, these are questions that you can ask or you can kind of research on your own. Um, and I definitely think for me personally, that's the kind of criteria that I have when I'm looking at companies. Um, and certainly since there aren't going to be kind of like just roles on LinkedIn for like head of social impact, right. at least not anytime, you know, hopefully soon, but like right now, that's just not how it works. I always implore people to say, you know, to really look at, 
look at the company. Like, is there a company that you truly believe in? It's easy to kind of go into an earlier stage startup because, you know, there's just a little bit more flexibility. Um, but, you know, later stage in terms of like, you know, post-series A, ideally post-series B, so you don't have to worry about the funding situation. Yeah. Um, but they're not these, up. they have <laughs> money, you know, the lights aren't going to turn off. Um, but they, they're not necessarily like a 500 person employ, uh, right. organization yet, you know? And so there's this flexibility. You can come in early stage and, ha and wear a big hat and do a lot of really interesting things and then position yourself to be like, hey, like, I really think that this is something we should invest in. This is why this is the business case. And I'll talk a little bit more about, we can talk about that later, about how yes. uh, you know leaders kind of always over-index on asking people to make a business case for impact or a business case for diversity, equity, inclusion. That's a whole nother podcast. We can talk <laughs> about it. Um, but you can kind of really make the case for why they should be investing in this and why they should kind of be baking it into their operations and why this um, is a strategic decision and quite frankly um, one that lends to kind of competitive advantage in a lot of ways when you are the company that's making the tough choices early to truly center your audience and truly do the right thing and truly and not be predatory like that inherently is going to you know set you apart from yep. so many other businesses and that's sad to say but that's just the reality of it so. yeah and i mean i guess you see that too as like a almost a competitive advantage of sorts like one from a purely like business standpoint of a cabinet, but then also even like attracting talent, knowing oh, you have, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, talent and consumers. You know, people are voting with their dollars, you know? They will not patronize a business or a brand that they don't believe is, um, at least, at the very least, doing no harm, you know, or yeah, like, you right. know, it's like, right, like right. just at least do no harm, you know, but certainly brands that have a point of view that are standing up for what they believe is, you know, is something that's meaningful for them. Um, people will, they're, you know, they will vote for the, with their dollars, especially yeah. these Gen Zers. They do not play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. They really they do. do. Not play. Okay. <laughs> and, and with that too, then, so looking at like, okay, the whole, whether it be CSR, or whether it be social impact, what businesses, what companies, organizations mm -hmm. are doing it well mm -hmm. that you've seen that, I don't know if you pulled some of those things for when you when you were at Headspace or even with Dave now, like what companies are doing really well? I'm yeah. curious as that because people, it's nice to have examples about what to look towards and what yeah. to look to. So I'm curious if there's anything, any ones that you recommend to look at. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, there's a couple that really I am just, I love. Um, but I also, with a caveat of, you know, Everyone has their own kind of like, again, set of criteria, but like what really resonates with them. And certainly impacts can and should look different at different organizations. So um, what might be meaningful for one person who's like super down with like, you know, saving the environment and that's like kind of their bread and butter for like yeah. how they want to engage with impact might be different from someone who's like maybe a little bit more um, social justice minded in the sense of like, you know, how is this product helping to kind of change some sort of systemic inequality or you know something like that so just caveat yeah, there with that yeah with that um <laughs> but that being said i so i'm obsessed with um i've always been kind of keeping my eye on lyft and kind of what they're doing uh with building their impact division mostly you know one because i just think they're doing such they just their ethos as a company is just like really incredible and they've i think it's been it's been so fun to kind of watch them grow and kind of like become this like this interesting kind of you know second place uh, you know but like but like kind of, but first in so many other ways you know and I hate to say it that way but like they have really I mean their whole 
you know, underlying ethos is like, how do we design cities better for people? Like, how do we, um, and how do we center real humans at kind of these decisions? And they do all kinds of really innovative um, programming. They, and I've also just been really um, keeping an eye on them just because of how they have operationalized their impact division. Um, and so that's been really cool. I just love them as a brand too. And I kind of, uh, primarily use Lyft if I have and it's unless I'm like international but um I also yeah (laughs) (laughs) I also love uh Sweetgreen so Mm -hmm. my um I actually spent a lot of time in DC so I remember going to the original Sweetgreen in this like cute little bungalow in um uh Georgetown and didn't had had no idea that it was like you know expanding so quickly I was like oh this is cute they have a couple of locations in DC yeah then I would travel like oh my god they're everywhere this is so (laughs) cool um and you know just the the hyper focus on sustainability you know and um you know super um they have such integrity around their supply chain they have really you know just so deeply intentional about you know how they're truly building a a workforce that is celebrated and is um uh just really just thoughtful about all of that and their head of social impact is actually a friend of mine named kirby hey kirby uh (laughs) who is their head of um Uh, social impact and inclusion so i also think that's an interesting kind of um approach as well because they're not only looking at uh the impact from a kind of an organizational structure um and kind of making sure that kind of informs kind of top to bottom but also bringing in the inclusive um piece to it too and i think that's that's another kind of important piece that sometimes gets forgotten um but i think she's doing some incredible work over there and then you've got the ogs like the patagonias you've got the ben and jerry's you've got although i'm lactose intolerant but they do have a nice like vegan Mm. option now but yeah um that are doing really interesting stuff and then i you know i remember um uh when I think I was in business, it had to have been business school because where else would I have read a case about Unilever? It was probably in business school. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would I just be randomly reading business cases? That's I've definitely happened. read a case yeah. about Unilever. Listen, okay. yeah, exactly, right now, so exactly. So it was definitely in business school. <laughs> um, but they've done a really awesome job, and that's kind of more of an example of this massive Titanic ship that <laughs> you know, like, I mean, because you talk about kind of the the flexibility and um, nimbleness that comes with being a smaller startup, and how if you bake something in kind of early, it's it's much easier to kind of like grow and scale from there. But when you have these massive organizations that haven't thought about impact and then are suddenly trying to change course, it can be really difficult. But I think they, um, you know, for the last like what 15, 20 years, have been have done that and have done it well and really set uh and and, you know an industry an industry standard that um is just unprecedented you know and so and especially when you're thinking about kind of consumer packaged goods and just the breadth of the brands that they have under their umbrella and that's multinational so there's just like so many moving parts that is so impressive that they were able to really galvanize and get that alignment across the board across so many different stakeholders um it's really fascinating. So I, I'm, they're, I'm a fan of theirs too. I mean, and to that point though, you mentioned like all the different stakeholders they have. Like, how do you get that buy-in across oh the whole company? Like, <laughs> what do you think? I mean, yeah. Or I mean, even tough. going off of your head, your Headspace experience. Like, yeah. I mean, Headspace was awesome because like you know everyone got it. Like, it, yeah. and I think the the tough part was kind of like helping us walk, like think about how to like it's good, you know, practically position and operationalize the work yeah but like from a like oh yeah impact cool let's go for it you know like that part wasn't that hard you know like everyone was kind of like of course like yeah we're mission driven this is like we're headspace like yes um but i can imagine um 
and and quite frankly that's been the same um uh experience that i've had at dave which is amazing because it's like there's you know that's six months of work that i don't have to do and <laughs> just getting everyone on the same page about like why that's important or why someone like me exists at the company um but i i mean i just can't even imagine what it would be like at an, any number of other companies where you're um yeah, I, you know, something I alluded to before was this idea that, like, you know, in order to invest in or um, allocate resources to pretty much anything, you have to kind of make this business case. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, I'm in this really interesting position because I come from the nonprofit background, so I have this, like, social justice passion. Like, I'm, I'm like, yes, this is just the right thing to do. <laughs> but I also went to business school. So I was like, all right, you need me to, like, make a business case for this? Like, cool, I'll do it. Or, like, let's – and, again, I had this really awesome uh, – just sh- – awesome strategist as like a as a VP and a mentor and a manager that like really helped me kind of like hone in on like what what that case was and how we can uh, drive value at Headspace leveraging impact um, but a lot of times if, if you're coming only from the nonprofit sector or if you're if you don't m- maybe have that kind of business acumen it might be a lot tougher to to speak the language of the people who are decision makers or leaders at the at the um, company and really help them understand from like a a cut and dry black and white perspective like why this is an important and meaningful thing to do um and so that and it can take a lot of time it can it can kind of drag the work out and it can kind of prevent you from truly kind of understanding how to you know, just waste time you yeah. know, waste a lot of time i think there's like so much um one, one of the i'm one thing i'm really looking for um, as this kind of space continues to mature is as, and as more people kind of come into these like head of social impact roles and are gathering and codifying their learnings is like let's really be thoughtful about how we're sharing some of these like kind of learnings and how are you you know if someone has had to build a business case for impact at a company in the consumer goods you know uh, uh, space then somebody post that online so other yeah, people can use right. it or like everyone can benefit you know or you know or, or just you know we maybe we should be teaching this in um in cool in schools you know like we should be thinking about you know i'm like adlay you know let me come back to usc and talk about how to integrate you know <laughs> an impact strategy at uh you know a startup you know i'm happy to do that so um i'm gonna email him after this actually I was say, <laughs> you, should, you should definitely contact and i probably i'm sure i could get someone yes adlay Wartman, the, yeah, <laughs> head of the mssc program Perfect. he's like lauren stop um but yeah i think like you know as we learn, as we kind of like, you know, and, and I think that's one of the the privileges of kind of being so early in this space and already, you know, within, you know, a couple of years having two awesome brands under my belt um, is that like I, I just learned a lot. I just learned a lot and I failed so much and I like, you know, hit walls and was like, OK, let's pivot and do this. <laughs> and so I'm trying to be mindful, no pun intended, mm. uh, of like making record of that and and taking those learnings and taking those lessons and kind of uh having that discerning eye to kind of understand how it is that i will continue to kind of do this work um for the rest of my career and i think one of the great things is is that there are certain things that are you know fundamental to kind of like impact right and that's again to to me at least is my little two cents are the kind of again the the thinking that whatever it is that you're building is strategic it's measurable it's sustainable um it's scalable but 
the other thing is like you can be and, and it's solving this like complex global problem <laughs> you're like you missed a part of your definition um but the you know the other part is like you get to be so creative because there's so much other stuff that you have to do that is so specific to that company so i have to I mean, I was so inundated in um, just all things mental health, you know, and health and wellness and their intersections of health, wellness, tech, and and what it's like to be a black woman in tech who's non-technical, who comes from the nonprofits, you know, just like all these narratives and yeah. all, and have that inform kind of all the work that I was doing. Um, and now I'm in the fintech space and I'm like, I've never been in finance. Yeah, I went to business school, but like I hated my accounting classes. <laughs> and, you know, like the professor was awesome. I just like wasn't a numbers person. Um, Same, by the way. Okay. Same. it's. Yeah. I understand. So I'm like, you know, so now it's me. And, you know, aside from just being a consumer in the market or a a customer of a bank, you know, I've not had to. And, you know, also someone who's like interested in making sure that like as someone who's like lived through a recession and kind of really was like shook by it, you know, like making sure that I'm keeping my finger on the pulse of like what's going on economically. But like, you know, I'm now in a position to really dive headfirst into a whole new sector and take some of the learnings that I had at Headspace, certainly, um, and hopefully apply them, but also be creative and, and open enough to know that, like, there's going to be a whole new set of things that I have to think about and innovate here, you know? And yeah. I think that's really exciting. So. Oh, it is exciting. And th- that creativity side is, oh, I mean, entrepreneurs and founders are listening to the show and stuff. Obviously, yeah. they're creative and trying to build things, and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But even within companies, you don't have to be the founder to yeah. build things and create things, oh right? Gosh. So that's yeah. something, that's another reason why I wanted to have you in the show. So, like, yeah. to that point, then, even when you kind of first uh, join Headspace and uh, then once you're uh, eventually ahead of social impact, like, I mean, what were some of the first things you <laughs> did even once you got the role? Like, okay, Lauren, you're here now. <laughs> like, what do you do when you go to work? Like, I'm curious. It's like some oh, like, of those <laughs> things, like what do you actually, you know, if it's too hard, no, 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 I'm trying but, you know to what I mean? Back. Like yeah, just thinking like, what are some of those actual things that people, if someone like wants to start social impact or a CSR mm-hmm. at their company mm-hmm. or it's their company, they're trying to bring someone in. Like mm-hmm. what are the first things that should be done maybe? I'm yeah. Curious. Yeah. No, I mean, I think uh, for me, and I, I would say this is probably more so now than at Headspace, just because like the, just for all kinds of reasons, but basically like, you know, now I'm, you know, I've been in my company for almost a month <laughs> and I am like giving myself the grace to, I'm like used to just going a million miles a minute and I've been going a million miles a minute for two and a half years at another company. Before that I was in school and before that, you know, so I'm like, it's okay, Lauren, to do some research and talk to every single person in this building, both folks who just came two weeks before you came or who've been there since day two, you know, and get the institutional knowledge, like understand deeply like what this product is and why it's, you know, what's wrong with it, what's not wrong with it, um, what like get a really deep understanding of kind of um, of the customer base, like what are their pain points, like what are we actually solving for, what yeah. are we trying to solve for, what are we not quite solving for just yet. Um, and then, you know, in this role particularly, just like really understand the the market, you know, really understanding like what is going on in fintech right now? What does the regulatory bodies look like? Like what what is some of the public policy out there? Um, And really just like taking all that in because it's like, otherwise you're just building something in a vacuum that you think is like cool, but like has no relevance to like anything that's (laughs) happening and certainly no relevance to like the core consumers that you're trying to build for. And I just think that's like, just, you know, rule number one is just like, 
observe, ask questions, like be humble, you know, just get a lay of the land, like truly get a lay of the land. One of the first things I did um, in the role at Headspace was I literally interviewed every single member of the leadership team. And I said, including the founders, um, and I was like, hey, like, what is your vision for this? Like, what is your vision for impact? What was your vision for this company? Like, what what do you really think about this? Like, how how can I elevate, you know, some of the things that you're trying to do? Um, and I just got so many great insights from all these people who are overseeing all these different facets of the business, from the CFO to the CEO to co-founders to the chief business officer at the time, um, and so many stakeholders who were kind of in charge of a whole kind of portion of the business and had their own perspectives on like what impact could look like, or maybe hadn't really thought about it, but yeah. it was like a good exercise for them to, to think about. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so just, and also just had a, um, took some time to work and figure out kind of who my kind of key partners were gonna be internally. So I worked really closely with our um, design research team, I worked really closely with our content teams, um, really closely with um, just, you know, our people ops, I mean, just like all parts of the company that uh, could lend itself to us delivering on our impact, I worked really closely with them and just built relationships and really glean insights from kind of like the work that they were already doing um and also just like getting a lay of the land and building allies outside of the the company too to make sure that i had this like really um it was kind of an informal but it was like this this advisory board of sorts of folks that were experts in you know their respective spaces so that i could you know get a gut check on if like there's a particular strategy that i was trying to execute on or a particular program and i was trying to deliver um again so that i wasn't building something in a vacuum yeah and that's that's a really good point that you made interviewing like everyone you can because it's all about the stakeholders yeah. you, could, you could think of all these things that oh i want to do this and this and this but yeah. like one do you have buy-in and right. two how do you use the resources at any company you're yeah. at to yeah. then have them help with the mission. So yeah. I love that you mentioned that, but <laughs> you have so much experience with this already. You're in nonprofit space before, mm -hmm. being at Headspace before, now at Dave, with a new experience there. I mean, what are there any particular lessons or things that stand out where like, oh my goodness, I'm sure there's a lot actually, but <laughs> anything, any ones you want to state, like things that you've learned, um, anything in particular that stands out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one thing that's abundantly clear uh, you know, in the tech space. I actually, um, this morning, I <clears throat> was at a meeting of the Santa Monica Tech Council. Um, I don't live in Santa Monica, I don't work in Santa Monica anymore, but I sure as heck am gonna be on that tech council. And I look around the room and I'm the only black woman in the room. And this is this particular meeting was all about um, bringing together stakeholders to continue to work on this 20, uh, Santa Monica 2050 strategy, which is really, literally, these are the people that are going to help the city of Santa Monica kind of uh, brace itself and prepare itself for, you know, 30 years from now. Whoa. And I was the only black woman in the room. And I'm like, That's so insane. is Santa Monica not really trying to have black women in the city? You know, like, what's going on here? And so I say that to say that, like, the tech space is still has a lot of work to do around diversity, around equity, around inclusion, around representation. And, you know, one thing I've been very clear about, you know, in my just life is like you know i am going to always show up as the most authentic version of myself that i can of course it's not going to be like the version of lauren that's like at home on her couch <laughs> binging on netflix but like there's not going to be a lot there's going to be like a very yeah. tiny you know <laughs> right. uh, sliver of a, a space between kind of that lauren and the lauren who shows up in front of you every day and every day at work and every day in the spaces that i find myself in 
And so there's this level of kind of fearlessness that does kind of have to have, you have to have with um, advocating for or building something that no one's ever even thought about or they can't quite wrap their minds around. And certainly if you're going to be asking for budgets or for resources and that sort of thing. And so you have to kind of just be prepared and, and unafraid of just like, you know, knocking on the doors and asking the tough questions and holding people accountable and and also knowing when it's time to kind of leave you know knowing when it's time to leave a room or leave an initiative or a space that's no longer serving you um and uh the other thing is kind of from a founder perspective you know like i mean the more that you can bring in a diverse team of people and a diverse team of advisors, a diverse team of people who understand like why things like DE&I or impact or just like viable business models that aren't predatory <laughs> are important, <laughs> like the better off you're going to be. Like we're no longer, we no longer in a space where, you know, um, you, yeah, like you, there's just so much, there's such a wealth of knowledge from people who are coming from all kinds of backgrounds and if you're trying to build a brand or a company or a service or a product um, that speaks to people like you you need to have people around the table informing that product or that brand or that company to reflect you know the world around you it just it's so simple but it's still such a difficult concept for people yeah. to grasp um and it's so easy to say like oh my, you know my co-founders that's my homeboy and then we went to school together and then we just happen to look alike and we're different because like i like to ski and i like to horse and he likes to horseback ride and i'm like no like we really need to be thoughtful and intentional um, and get uncomfortable with making sure that whoever is around and informing the business that you're building and as early as you possibly can kind of thinking about how, what type of positive impact you want this brand uh, to have on the world the better yeah so. and and one of the things i always like to ask guests because there's whether it be entrepreneur, whether it be CEO, or just a go-getter, mm -hmm. how do you personally then learn, grow, know more, know more about the space, make yourself more valuable? Like, how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, I'm constantly reading. Like, I'm just like, I, like, <laughs> there are days when I'm so busy and I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait for the weekend so I can just sit and like, just read. <laughs> like, stupid articles on Medium or The Atlantic, or just like, just like books. I mean, I have like, literally like six books in rotation right now like on my audible mm -hmm. and i'm terrible because i never just listen to one i, I can't like, i have to have a rotation same <laughs> um and it's just about anything just like i mean I'm, there's you know i i love to just like consume information and i love to read i just like it just gives me so much satisfaction and it just like really and so i always ask people like what are you reading like send me this art you know send me something that you think could be um really awesome and i'm always happy to send people stuff as well um and then the other thing is like I find myself in um, a lot of like on talks and panels and all that kind of stuff where I'm expected to kind of be an expert at, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I guess I am an expert on this. Um, but I always take those spaces too. So like, I'm, and I'm happy to be, you know, I'm confident in talking about the things that I know, yeah. but I'm always so humble at saying like, I actually don't know anything about that. Or I don't know, like, ooh, my you know panel mate knows a little bit more about that. And just like absorbing that information and knowledge from people, from my peers, like people who are also interesting go-getters who have built companies who have, you know, just, you know, I want to pick the brains of like my leader, my leadership team because they've like built and sold companies before. So I'm like, right. tell me how you built and sold this company. Right, so hold on. So, yeah. Let me like walk <laughs> me through it, like step by step. Um, and I think it's so, it's so important. I think like talking to people who have different backgrounds and also just reminding myself that, you know, I have a very unique lived uh, 
experience and social location and um you know while being a black woman in america is not you know <laughs> we're sometimes we're on the lowest end of the totem pole sometimes I also have a wealth of privileges that I should not ever take for granted. And so if I have a platform, if I'm doing really interesting work, like I have to carve out time to um, keep learning so that I don't become stagnant, but also like, you know, share my wealth of knowledge with people coming behind me, you know? So yeah. I, I, I carve out time every week to make sure that I respond to like all of the like messages on LinkedIn from like USC students or Justin Gordon. <laughs> yes, Justin <laughs> Thank Gordon. you, Lauren. Um, or, you know, just young people like trying to figure this out. And like, and sometimes people are just like, oh, I'm like, yeah, I might have to pass on that one. Yeah. But um, it's so important because I wouldn't be here if someone hadn't like, taking a couple minutes to set me aside and be like, hey, you should think about this or like come work for me and do this or hey, thank you for having that amazing conversation in this class. You should come work for my company. Like yep. it's that means something. And so the more I can put myself in spaces to identify that in other people and serve as a mentor and share my learnings, but also keep that humility that comes with like re remembering that I don't know everything. Like I think that's the kind of like perfect storm of consistently being able to kind of progress in your career in a thoughtful, um, you know, productive way. Yeah, and I want to be respectful of your time, so I just have a couple more questions. Yeah. Uh, with Dave, how is your time spent right now at Dave? <laughs> so right now, uh, again, there's, there, I'm still in that like conversation phase, yep. so I've just been like packing my calendar with conversations. <laughs> um, the funny thing too is that like I still have these like other um, like obligations for like you know these tech councils that I'm on, these advisory boards that I'm on, and you know t I do tech advising and stuff like that. But all with like you know the LA um, Chamber of Commerce and these organizations that are also going to be you know potentially really awesome uh, partners and allies in the work that we're doing in and around LA and certainly kind of um, uh, you know you know even uh, beyond that. And so there is a part of my role that is still kind of like. I don't want to say rubbing elbows because it's not that, but it's like really being involved in kind of the impact work that's not just within the four walls of my organization. And so yeah. keeping my finger on the pulse of like who else in the in the fintech space is um, you know at these tables. If I'm the only one, then that's great, you know. And if I'm if I'm the only one and I'm the only black girl, that's even better, you know. So it's like we can think <laughs> about like how am I how am I positioning myself to make sure that we're keeping our finger on the pulse of like what's going on at a local level. I plan on doing the same thing kind of more um, widespread um, in terms of understanding what's going on on a policy level kind of nationally. Um, so there's a lot of that piece of it too. And then I spend a lot of time uh, <laughs> doing things like these. Um, yes. But yeah, my, my day to day is a lot of internal meetings right now, um, kind of getting alignment around, getting understanding around how people are thinking about impact and deeply understanding our product and um, understanding like process or you know where there needs to be process built and figuring out how just basically what's going to be under the my little impact umbrella and then what do I kind of dot line into to kind of help build um, both the infrastructure for impact but also support the infrastructure building that's inherently still happening because it's still such an early stage company. Yeah, and then for any you know entrepreneurs or yeah, just people at their companies who want to either hire someone for mm -hmm. social impact or mm -hmm. CSR, like how do you suggest they approach it or like what what should, what should they look for in that person because yeah. obviously headspace found you yeah which is great <laughs> but like how does someone find a lauren yeah. for their company oh i wish i could clone myself that'd be <laughs> awesome no i think um you know there's the good thing is that there aren't there's no one 
perfect resume for this role. <laughs> you know, like sure. people, you know, colleagues that I have are coming from all different parts of the business world or not. They're coming from direct service in the nonprofit sector. They're coming from family foundations. They're coming from VC. They're coming from impact investing. They're coming from HR. They're, you know, just like all, like literally like impact can look like anything at your company. But I think what really important is like, is this person creative? Is this person willing to kind of literally and be comfortable building something from scratch with like no roadmap, <laughs> no blueprint? Um, is this person, um, yeah, like, like a critical thinker who's solution oriented, but also has like the, the you know, is diplomatic enough to understand how to speak to all the different stakeholders internally and externally. Like, okay, you know, and that's not to say that you have to be, you know, one version of Lauren over here and then another version of Lauren over here, but like, how do you really understand? Like, I have to speak the language of the chief financial officer. <laughs> you know, I have to right. speak the language of the CEO who is, you know, talking to the board and talking to these external, you know, these funders and, and things like that. So I have to understand like what is what are his objectives and what are his um, you know what are his prerogatives and, and what are what what things are being kind of um, put on his to do list you right. know and and also just have a deep understanding of the multifacetedness of uh, of a business. So it's like it 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 does behoove someone to really show that they're willing to um, deeply understand kind of all the inner workings of a startup or you know a company. Um, and I definitely think that's why it it does make sense for folks to kind of come in, even if there's not necessarily a role for impact at the time. But if it's a, a company that you believe in, a product you really believe in, and there's a role that maybe aligns with like maybe your current role or current skill set, and you come in and then you like build the skill set from there and then say this is why we need you know impact and so um and then i do i really implore founders to to not be afraid to think about this stuff early and often like i think it's so easy to think that this isn't the time i have to do all these millions of other things to get this business off the ground but i really 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 am of such a firm belief that if you do these things now like and if you think about and have take these considerations into account now that it really will differentiate your business like honestly especially if you are going you know you are um you know setting out to have an S, like a social enterprise or a socially um driven company i you know i it's you know yeah i just i just can't stress that enough you know yeah um and everyone's gonna have their own sweet spot some people want to be employee number five that's just that's a little too late for me um but i certainly don't want to be employee number five thousand you know and so you have to figure out kind of what uh as the person looking to kind of uh fill these roles or kind of be that kind of head of social impact or director of impact or whatever um you have to be comfortable with that entrepreneurial spirit for sure yeah um and then as a founder or a ceo or a leader you know you can't be afraid to to think about this stuff early and really start thinking about like yeah what type of person and what type of values do they have that will align with your company and really be thoughtful about how to build a really integrated um, strategy that really sp speaks to, you know, exactly what you guys are trying to do as a, as a company, as a brand. Yeah. And there are, I'm sure, many topics related to this, <laughs> as you mentioned, we could spend another whole episode oh gosh, on and yes. <laughs> eventually happy to do a part two. Yes. Um, but is there anything in particular that you want to mention, discuss, leave us with uh, before we part ways? Um, no pressure. By the I way. know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I mean, I think like, I think I had, had all my talking points. <laughs> um, no, I, I just, I really do implore people to, you know, take this seriously and also investigate for themselves. Like, 
where they how they define impact and how they differentiate it from you know say csr um or if in their mind it has to or if that you know because there might just be a company that like truly um you know a csr function is like best you know and that's fine there's no like right or wrong but i do um i just want people to understand that there's there while traditionally there has been this in, you know quote unquote inherent tension between driving business objectives and driving um mission objectives there doesn't necessarily have to be and you can really think about how do you use impact as the lever to do those things to drive those business objectives to be much more relevant in the market um to kind of uh get a little bit of a competitive advantage over um competitors who maybe aren't willing to invest in these sorts of programming uh, programs or um talent and so there's just there's so many ways that we can be much more creative and strategic and thoughtful and innovative with leveraging impact as uh, as like a key wedge to kind of set yourself and your business apart from the pack. Yeah. Lauren, where can people go to connect with you? Well, you know, follow me on Instagram. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Hop on the gram, Hop on the gram. Do it for the gram. Uh, no, I think the best way is just LinkedIn. Um, I'll I, have to, yeah, I can link just it go up. ahead and link it. Okay, link I don't it. even remember what my like. Just go grind.com <laughs> slash podcast. I will make sure awesome. I link up the LinkedIn for Lauren. Ooh, that's a lot. Right? L- Say link that up LinkedIn for Lauren. Wow. <laughs> Lauren, thank you so much for coming thank on the show you. today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.